It's time for Declare Your Independence with Ernest Hancock. Believe me when I say we have a difficult time ahead of us. But if we are to be prepared for it, we must first shed our fear of it. I stand here without fear because I remember. I remember that I am here not because of the path that lies before me, but because of the path that lies behind me. I remember that for 100 years we have fought these machines. And after a century of war, I remember that which matters most. We are still here! With me, Ernest Hancock, here in Phoenix, Arizona. Hey, we got a live podcast. We're doing streaming never little old thing, recording, putting up with uh, Mr. James Corbett, the Corbett Report, uh, dot com. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to fear, but I tell you what, I am relatively concerned. I watched uh, James Corbett, The Secret, Secrets of Silicon Valley, and then uh, kind of a, a subsequent follow-up to that. I've been watching some other videos that, you know, uh, dovetail into that, and I'll tell you. There is, we are, everything that we're doing, um, it's never too late. It's never too little. You got you, you to gotta understand what you're up against. And this episode, I think uh, we're going to skip to the end in the next hour or so. Uh, well, you start a little bit. We'll, we'll, we'll go to the top of the hour. We've got 45 minutes. We can just cram it in here because I know James is busy. But um, um, Secrets of Silicon Valley, James. You know, I don't know how I got a bunch of specifics here, but give us an overview for how much we should be afeared. Well, let's put it in these terms. Facebook and Google and all of these big tech companies will not give you freedom, will not give you privacy. There will never be a way to chain these big tech giants in a way that makes them useful and and constrains their powers because they were all, without exception, funded or founded or co-opted from the very outset to the purposes of the military and intelligence industries and complexes. You have to understand this in order to understand what it is we're dealing with. This is not a message of fear, fear, fear. This is a message of if we are not actively taking the steps that are needed to get ourselves off of the big tech giants and supporting all of the ideas that are out there for how to use a truly decentralized network in a truly decentralized way, then it's game over. If we don't understand what it is we're facing, it's game over because we get caught in the false dialectic of government versus the corporations. Oh, government will come along and restrain the corporations. No, government was there from the birth of Silicon Valley, building it up from the ground up. The internet was the ARPANET. We all know it was a defense, a Department of Defense project that was built for military purposes. And we like to think that somehow they just gave it away and never looked at it again. That is baloney. And as I document in that podcast in voluminous detail, they have been there at the founding of all the big tech giants we have come to love and know. Um, And they are the ones that were directing this technology in the directions that they wanted it to go. You know, what brings to mind is uh, uh, why big oil and how big oil conquered the world. And a a lot of your stuff kind of, you know, dovetails into this. And it seems to always come back to eugenics. You know, they, they want the, you know, the Guidestones, they got 500 million, they're going to have how many slaves we need or something. You know, they have uh, the guys that started Silicon Valley. I wrote down the names. We got Shockley and Turbin, certainly Turbin's father. You know, they're all eugenicists, which define that. I mean, we'll, we'll go in and make the connection here, but um, is it a sociopathic, you know, uh, cult or something. I mean, I'm, I'm, there's some commonality that goes way back of just the mindset that there's people that need to be ruled and we should be the ones ruling them. And those that are dissidents against need to be, you know, like uh, taken care of. And we need increasing technology from IBM punch cards to mind reading uh, devices to be able to bring about their utopian world. What is it that they want? 
I think it shouldn't be surprising. We could almost work it out a priori without even any data from the real world, although we have a lot of data, but we should be able to just discern from first principles that technocrats are eugenicists. Eugenicists are going to be technocrats because at base, they want the same thing. They want to be in control of everyone and everything. And eugenics, of course, is always uh, uh, casting its dark shadow of dysgenics. They'll often say, oh, eugenics is just about trying to get, you know, better breeding and better people to have children. It's not d that dirty dysgenics about trying to stop people from having children or, or, or sterilizing them or killing them. No, that's dysgenics. Well, th obviously, the two go together and have throughout history. And technocrats, uh, as we've talked about, as you've talked about with Patrick Wood and others, is uh, technocracy was a movement that was founded on the idea that a few special uh, engineers, scientists, people who know better will be able to direct society in the right direction. It's always about how do you justify having a ruling class? And back in the day, it used to be, we are literally gods, you know, the pharaoh is your god, or, uh, or the Japanese emperor is literally descended from the gods, or in Europe, you know, it's, it's the divine right of kings. In China, it was the mandate of heaven. It's always these, you know, divine reasons why we and our family get to rule over you and you will do what we say. That doesn't fly so well in 19th, 20th, 21st century. So they had to develop a new, a new philosophy, a new uh, scientific, pseudo-scientific gloss for it. That is eugenics. Where there is a ruling class because we have better genes. We are meant to rule over you. We can decide best what's for you and steer things in that direction. So that, that founding ethos was clearly part of a lot of things, a lot of philosophical things that were developing in late 19th, early 20th centuries, and that fed into technocracy. So of course the technocrats are going to have some connections with the eugenics movement that preceded it and informed that philosophy. And we see that everywhere. And it's so interesting because as I was writing this and as I was putting this together and I saw Frederick Terman, father of Silicon Valley, and just the most cursory research, you start running into, oh yeah, of course, he's the son of Lewis Terman, who was this, one of these great proponents of eugenics in America in the early 20th century. He was the one who standardized IQ testing for the army and was writing these screeds about, you know, uh, the better races and all of this. Uh, and, and so I thought, well, you know, I, I should note that in this script, even tangentially, because I think it's important. And then I'm going into, oh yeah, William Shockley, the other f uh, founding father of Silicon Valley. And Oh yeah, also a confirmed eugenicist who wrote about the, the, the better races and how we need to, to solve the problem of overpopulation and breeding of the bad sorts and all of this. It's always the same mindset with these people and tie that into the IBM, the Hollerith uh, punch card machines that was used to automate the Nazi classification of all of the, uh, the concentration camp uh, 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 abductees, whatever you want to call them, internees, hmm. uh, and all of that. It's always about mechanization of humanity in the sense that for, for the eugenicists, we are essentially cattle to be managed. And that is what this, this, this mindset about the technocrats and trying to order everything and shove them into binaries and ones and zeros. That's why it appeals to computer scientists and you get these people with this, this mindset that they're going to control society. It all fits together so nicely that, again, we, could, we don't even need the data to show us that the technocrats are going to be eugenicists and yeah. they're all going to mingle together. But well, we've got the data. Well, it's getting uh, worse to where, I mean, you see things where they talk about uh, they want to be able to read your mind in the airport. You know, that guy's got evil intent. You know, that guy. And um, it's getting closer. I mean, the, the, the fact that they even say it means they did it 10 years ago. I mean, you know, it, it, it's amazing to me how fast this is coming. And I know that they're of the opinion that people will just take it. They'll give them something for it. It'll be convenience. It'll be easier, faster, better. You know, like um, uh, even here in our home, it's getting to the point to where, you know, I can just call, I can just online Walmart and it'll be here this afternoon, you know, it, 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 delivery, you know, and uh, um, they're even taking on Amazon kind of thing. But uh, there's something, the antithesis of this eugenics we rule is what? You know, I, I, I mean, I, I got some ideas, but what do you think it is? What, what's the other side? What are they up against? Well, I think that the real, the only real alternative to that which is, as I say, just another justification in a long line of justifications for why we and our families get to rule over you, 
is the delegitimization of the ruling class or the idea of a ruling class. That in and of itself is the wrong turn. It's the, it's the wrong turn that humanity took a long time ago and is still trying to even figure out that it's a dead end or, or a, even worse, it's a drive off a cliff because that's where we're going. P until people realize that the idea of a ruling class itself is not only illegitimate but immoral, we'll never be able to accurately confront this, which is why such things as Larkin Rose's most dangerous superstition is so important to get people to see why the entire idea of a ruling class is fundamentally wrong. You choose for you, I choose for me. That is not really such a revolutionary, oh my God, I can't imagine kind of idea, but it is simply because we've been propagandized our entire lives that we need people telling us one way or another how to live our lives. You know, today I had uh, Mark Skousen on running Freedom Fest. And you look at the, they have over 200 speakers. And we went on about, you know, how it's done and so on. And I'll be going, representing, you know, LRN, Free Talk Live, working with the guys and such. And um, after it, you know, it goes from like uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I think. And uh, Sunday, they have a Narca Vegas. Well, they originally had uh, it at the D Casino. Now you don't know where it is until the last minute they'll tell you because the D Casino canceled it because Larkin Rose was a speaker. And they're going, oh, hell no. And they're getting all kinds of pressure, whatever. And this is a, and I'm like, from what? And I'm sure they'll make an excuse, something like, uh, when to shoot a cop. You know, that was an article that he had written. And if you read it, you know, uh, they brought a lot of attention to it here in Arizona law enforcement because there was a, you know, Occupy Phoenix and it got passed around a lot and all that stuff. And if you read it, it just says, it's probably before they close the cattle car door, you know, and you're sending you to the showers. You know, it's, it's, it's sometime, you know, it might be up close, but it's before they latch the freaking cattle car door sending you to the showers, okay? That was his point, and that's what scared him. You know, he was a rational, logical, you know, hey, man, you know, he may be a cop or military, but when they close those doors, yeah, you're sent to the showers. So I, I can see this manifesting itself all over the place, but the counter to them has been, like you say, they don't have this divine right that we can rule ourselves or should sure as hell, you know, uh, be allowed to. And the whole promise of the U.S., the, the American experiment was the proper role of government, defense of individual rights, doesn't do that, time to alter or abolish. It's your right, it's your duty kind of thing. That concept has been such a thorn in their side and a splinter in everybody else's cortex that they have to deal with that. And America's got to be taken care of. So I, I look at this and, and then it, you know, kind of manifested here recently about five weeks before I went uh, on my walkabout here. Um, I had Bumper Hornberger on from the Future Freedom Foundation, uh, uh, Jacob Hornberger. And uh, it, it seems like he may be running for president as a libertarian. And there's, you know, a bunch of other guys doing and what their that's you know, hilarity will ensue. But there will be also this Justin Amash thing comes out. So I get a call like two or three days after I interviewed Bumper and uh, from a friend of mine that is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. So we have interesting conversations. But his whole thing was, oh, Justin Amash, man, this is it. Justin Amash, a sitting congressman, saying he'd impeach Trump. You know, he's going to be all freedom-oriented and kind of the libertarian to get up there. So I'm looking forward to a primary discussion between Jacob Hornberger and Justin Amash. We're going to see how many libertarians can dance on the head of a pen. This is the discussion that's going to... They sure as hell don't want that out there. And I guarantee he is not going to be included in the presidential debates. And they're going, oh, that he'll have to be. And he's got, I'm going, I would be totally shocked every time libertarians get any kind of direct comparison in the state level, that anywhere, to where you have exactly what you're talking about, where we talk about the non-aggression principle. We can rule ourselves, and the only thing that we really need is enforcement of, you know, somebody aggressing against us that they not do that, and the purpose of government is to be that arbiter, and if they can't do it or never do it, then screw them. You know, we'll take care of it ourselves, and technology, you know, has gotten to where, in our hands, we could do that. 
I don't want Alexa listening to me all the time and making decisions and adding me to the database. And we just ran stories. Alexa stores every bit of audio unless you ask them to delete it. And I'm going, oh, yeah, they'll be deleting, I'm sure. You know, God, you guys are killing me. So I'm going, I want Jarvis. I want Tony Stark's kind of my own AI. I want the precariat, you know, my ship to be able to not gotten mine. I'd love to have all this technology for me. But that is not what's happening. So I see if you know what they're doing or where they're going, you can see what's going to happen. There is no way in hell they will have a libertarian, anarchist, philosophical uh, awakening of the people saying, yeah, this is going bad, which means... All your videos are at threat, which is why we, you know, IPFS them. Ha, 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 ha. So this is um, what I'm afraid of. Now, I wanted to get into some of the details of what you covered in there. The first thing is LifeBlog. Tell us about LifeBlog and the segue in the Facebook and who and what. LifeLog. LifeLog. Oh, I'm sorry. LifeLog. Thank you. It was a, uh, essentially a request for proposal. Uh, it goes by a different name under DARPA. But at any rate, they were asking um, for potential developers to develop a system for them that would essentially be a uh, an online or a digital diary, essentially. And th keep in mind that they were putting this out, I think, in 2003, uh, where they were first asking for this. And so f take it from the 2003 perspective, pre-smartphone, pre pre-anything that we think of as the modern internet. And they were talking about this device that was going to be uh, you were going to wear, so it would be with you at all times, so it would know where you were, it would be recording things that you're physically saying, as well as everything you're typing and messages you're sending, emails, all of that. It would record that was all in of the this proposal. information. Sorry? That was all in the proposal. Yep, you can go read through the proposal. It's very detailed. They're asking for lots and lots of specific features, and uh, basically it was going to be this complete compendium of all the things this person will do. And they even slip in there that this is going to be about... Um, uh, behavior prediction and things like this. It was going to help them uh, amass all the data that they could use for other purposes, obviously, right? Um, and so this was announced in 2003. There were several teams working on it, including a team of researchers at MIT that were uh, developing their proposal for it. But then in late January of 2004, they scrapped, they, they said, okay, we're withdrawing it. It got a little bit of attention, enough attention, I guess, that they said, okay, don't worry, we're, we're not proceeding with this, we're, we're withdrawing it. And the coincidence, which, you know, take it for what it's worth, uh, Wired.com reported that LifeLog had been canceled on February 4th, 2004. That was the first, as far as I know, that was the first public indication, publicly reported, that LifeLog had been canceled. February 4th, 2004 just happens to be the exact day that the Facebook.com launched. Um, and I, I think you'd be, you would not be hard pressed to see some similarities between the idea of the complete digital life log and Facebook and what it has become. So again, a coincidence, but one that I think speaks volumes to, to the fact that it, even if, even if it was, and I trust me, I don't, Trust the story even if it was a coincidence, they got what they wanted well, well, with it. Exactly, but it. Uh, mm -hmm. But even if even if Zuckerberg and that story and the founding of Facebook, even if that's all as they they say, which I obviously have my reservations about, but even if it was, that's exactly what they were looking for, and that's exactly what they wanted. So if it came up spontaneously, well, then they'll just get in there and with their their their. their yeah, we don't have to pay for all this thing. He already did it. We're just going to do a little bit of investment, and we'll get it. We'll get some. You know, this is it. Brings up two things. In the, I think it was in the 80s, I was reading a, I used to read a lot of science fiction, Asmanoff, you know, kind of omni, kind of, you know, just, it was entertaining to me. And there was a short story about um, having this teddy bear that a baby would get, and it had AI in it, and it was, you know, get to know you, it grows up with you, you get a, you know, a pendant, then a wristwatch, and then an implant, and by the time you're 30, 40, you know, th this Jarvis, Alexa, whatever the hell, you know, knows more about you than anything else, and then, you know, uh, I don't even remember if it even talked about it being susceptible to getting plugged in, all of a sudden you're uploaded onto the whatever, you know, but that's sure as heck what's happening, and I think the end of that one is you wound up putting it in a sex spot and you married it or something, I, I <laughs> so it don't laugh. So then um, Wired Magazine, there was one of the original employees that I interviewed. God, it had to be like 10, 10, 11. And I remember him saying he was kind of done with why I can't even go to Wired anymore. It is so propaganda for the man of what it's so worthless. It's like popular science and popular mechanics. All these have just gone to trash. And 
it was um, he was saying that the original idea from Wired was that they were going to free humanity with technology and they wanted to document it. You know, here's what we're going to do. and what. Well, that's what they say, you know. But all of this stuff that's been coming is just scaring the crap out of me. Then we got Wozniak, the um, uh, the IT guy for a uh, partner with Steve Jobs on Apple, deleted his Facebook last year, and he's been making a big deal out of it. And here recently he's like, man, get your freaking stuff off Facebook and uh, at least don't go on it again, you know, the young kids and so on. But the Internet of Things and this 5G, 6G, 14G, whatever the hell they're going to do, that is what's really, um, th- this is the, 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 the lid on the coffin kind of thing. There's something going on there. What's your perspective? The problem with this, and even talking about it, is that we cannot even conceptualize the types of technologies that are going to come about as a result of this. It's like going back to 2003 or whatever it was and telling people about smartphones. Oh, that's, you know, that's Star Trek stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And, and then the idea of apps and then you know, Uber or whatever else that gets built on these technologies that start to transform the real world in ways that would be difficult to conceptualize before we see the technologies come online. So we tend to think of 5G, 6G, whatever comes next G, uh, uh, through the lens of what we have now and these smartphones that have apps and we're going to do this and that on them and we can put them away, we can choose not to buy one, whatever. No, 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 no. This is going to fundamentally change our relationship to technology and a good a good inkling of that, a good way to get a handle on that is a video that I know you've just recently watched and I just recently watched from Truthstream Media talking about the Tower of Babel and the New Living Lang- Language and the hearables and other types of technologies that are going to be enabled through the ultra-fast networks, the 5G, 6G, whatever G, um, are going to make it so that our idea of holding a physical device in your hand that you are inputting data into and getting data out from is going to be a thing of the past. You're literally going to be embedded with this in numerous different ways, not necessarily a brain chip, although I'm sure that is the ultimate end game, but uh, it is going to be in your uh, chips in your clothes, chips in your desk, chips in everything. It's like a USB fit plug in into your ear. I mean, exactly. you might even Which have a jack. Listen in on everything that's happening in, sh- in your surroundings and adjust all your other devices. Uh, oh, you know, oh, it's, it's too dark in the room and he's trying to read. Better brighten the room kind of thing or whatever it is, which, again, all sounds like convenience. Convenience to the ultimate level. You won't even have to think about anything. Any, everything will just happen because the machines will know best what's for you. I mean, that in and of itself is fundamentally creepy. You have to go course- camping to even find your humanity. Exactly right. What is humanity? What is free choice if everything, all our choices are made for us by machines that have been programmed to act in certain ways? And that's even disregarding the fact that, of course, this opens up the the world to complete and total control of everything we do. We could be taken offline at the flip of a switch by whatever agency deems you to have committed whatever thought crime or whatever. I mean, it's, it's completely surrendering our humanity, surrendering our freedom. It is game over when this technology truly takes over. Yeah, no, people are going to be like my toddlers when you take away the iPad. They're going to be freaking, whoa, whoa, I am, what? You know, it's like a, it's like a, you know, a sci-fi movie. It's kind of, you're pulling a spirit out of them or something, you know, it's just like, whoa. I'm so glad I haven't given my kids a phone or a tablet. Don't, don't, it's not worth it, man. It's just, it's, you know, I I mean, they just play games, but, you know, I, I, I'm, no. I know, but it's training. It's training. Well, you know, it's they come with their, training. it's, it, well, we do everything we can. They're out in the pool. Heck, I'm even, you know, showing them, shooting BB guns or making stuff yeah. or a little project. I get off of that freaking thing. Yeah, absolutely. But it, it, uh, let's, let's use this as a teachable moment for other parents in the crowd. I'm no angel floating in the sky, but I know that instilling good habits is the key towards getting children to understand when they grow up. I know they're not going to understand it when they're young, but when they grow up and they see all these people doing all these things with their technology that they that wasn't normal to them, they're going to be able to see it from that outside perspective. So you know, I try thing- to instill good habits in my children. I, again, I'm not an angel, but I'm not going to give them a, a tablet to play with. Just to keep I, I have a uh, 12th grandkid be here next month, and if not sooner. And um, I like being a grandparent. 
I, I get to, I have more patience, you know, you get more detail, you know, you got their attention span for a little while, then take them home, they come back, you continue. It may take years to get a concept in of just good and bad. I even had my grandkids on the show, you know, kind of snuck them on, you know, then put them on camera, but I'm going, okay, what's good and what's bad? I said, you know, at six and seven, I'm just, you even have a concept. I mean, let's, you know, see how we did. And um, there is so much that I think we have to be concerned about. And I think that they're, they really pick up large concepts if you can make it understandable. And you know they got it when they can repeat it back to you or you see them repeating it to their younger cousins, that kind of thing. So I'm, I'm not so concerned as much about them as I am their children. You know, this is going to be, because it's normalized. I mean, they just, yeah, well, you know, yeah, I get it. I'm, and the fact that you did this research, I, it's amazing that you come up with all this stuff. I, I am just, I am so appreciative of that. And, um, but the one thing about the uh, hearables and so on, um, they were talking about not only are they able to go in your head and it be remote, you know, and it's sensors that, you know, read in your brain, that it's also, there are universal um thought processes for words even in different languages so that's what he was talking about the babble thing you're standing you go up to somebody in china uh, that speaks chinese you hold up your phone they do that now you can do live audio translating on skype okay they I, i've seen it years ago they got you know two classrooms in mexico and in the u.s and they're talking to each other in real time it being translated you can do that now so i'm going wow but now they can do it Without them hearing it, it is it 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 hears it and then translates it for you in your ear audibly. It's Star Trek and exactly. And there was an episode. I wrote that down. There was an episode to where uh, you had that um, glowy thing that went over, you know, and then they talked in telepathy of whatever the heck. Had Cochran it was a uh, Ephraim Cochran that invented warp drive in the old Star Trek. He had an episode. Well, he described the translator, and he said, well, it picks up on universal thought processes, and then, you know, it can translate it, and it also, that one picked up gender, and it was female, and all that kind of stuff. So when I look at, you know, uh, just got done watching this before you came on, and watched all your stuff, I, it's so clear where we're going, where they want us to go, and the only alternative is self-government is that people understand they own themselves, you're not cattle, and insist on you know certain technology, these technologies that be in your control, if you can, or you just abandon them. Then they'll say, all oh, those crazy book people that live in the forest of Fahrenheit 451 kind of thing. Right. And Fahrenheit 451 is being played out, 1984. Uh, I saw a chart, a meme somebody sent me, and it had Brave New World, uh, 1984 and uh, uh, something else, and then the overlap. It goes, and we're here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm going. This yeah. is so. What's the alternative? I mean, what you're doing, education, or is there let's, a a weapon let's, we can uh, employ? Let's tease that out for people who haven't seen the video we're talking about. Is that what we're ultimately talking about? Is a form of mind reading technology, or whatever you want to call it, where it's way down the road, waves, where brain waves will be monitored remotely and will be interpreted into language, then your thoughts will be read, essentially. Again, sounds like pie in the sky, and I know there will be people out there that say, oh, they can't really do that, it's all hype. Yeah, okay, all right, well, that. keep thinking that, and keep stumbling into these, this reality that we're moving into, as they're already starting to do it. And in that video, they show, for example, Regina Dugan, who I do mention in my secrets of Silicon Valley as a DARPA insider who went on to Google and then went on to Facebook, surprise, surprise, mm -hmm. uh, and is now working on uh, a speech, uh, basically thought to speech technology, which is the moonshot that was one of the programs at a hundred words a minute. Telling us they, they can read your mind and, and type faster than you can type. That's it, and that's what's coming. And, and I, I, you have to I, speak. I, you know what? I, I, here's my conspiracy theorist. I'll put on my tinfoil hat for this. I'm going to go out on a limb and say they probably already have this technology. Yeah, They're just no, going to I'm, find out how to release it to the public in a way that will accept it. I, you know, I. Oh. Yeah, that's one of your videos. I remember you were kind of like, uh, if you heard about it, then DARPA had it 30 years ago. I mean, that kind of thing. And and that has been my experience all this time. And we had one thing that kind of surprised me, uh, Electronic Fun Frontier um, Foundation, uh, the chair is going to Bilderberg. 
So a couple of caveats. It was uh, it was a director. I don't think she's a director anymore. Um, but and this and she attended, as far as I know, attended once. I know. It, I think it was the two thousand conference. I'm still but not still, feeling warm. It and is fuzzy. enough to make you scratch your head. The EFF, yeah. but they're good in sunshine and funded by Soros, right? But uh, but anyway, they're there for it, and they do a lot of good work on on different fronts. But you gotta wonder, yeah, what side the bread's There's always you know anybody that exists always doing good works to you know they gotta do some. You know the um um. The other thing that was of interest to me is you had uh, 5G and 6G were talking. You know, I didn't know there was going to be a 6G. I mean, they're already talking about it. And 5G has its own problems to where it can be damaging to humans. And I'm going, is that it can be? Well, that might have been a goal, an intent. And when they're doing this brain reading, there goes your First Amendment. There goes your freedom of thought. There goes, I mean, whether you do anything or not, I'm sorry. There goes your fourth amendment. Yeah. You know, search and seizure, uh, uh, self-incrimination. I mean, it is gone, gone, gone. And I'm wondering where we're going to get our support from. And Hey, that's for people lucky enough to have been born in the geographical location known as the United States of America. What about people like me, a Canadian in Japan? Well, that's fair game. You know, why there'd be no laws to stop any. I got a constitution that's going to protect me. I'm like, right. Even if that did work, we know that the five eyes just pass work around to each other. So you the know, NSA can go to GCHQ and say, hey, how about this guy? Can you get him? Thanks. Right. No, we had um, in uh, 98, there was a film crew that came from Germany to cover, you know, we have a thing called Second Amendment is for Everyone. So they were heavy duty on I me. Mean, they, they wanted to get the the network of the militia of somebody kind of, and ours is, you know, it started with an initiative here. That's why we have unrestricted concealed carry in Arizona. because we started this in 94. We've been buttheads about it and finally got done. But uh, they didn't like that none too much. So the German crew and all the stuff they asked and all they're doing, I'm going, it's obvious to us. They're just surveilling. They're going to turn this tape over to the BATF or the man or whatever because they're a foreign entity coming and talk to me. And then what's going to stop them from giving it? To them? I'm going, so we knew. But the thing was is that, you know, we tried to convince. It's always the camera guy and the sound guy get convinced. You know, there's like, yeah, what you guys are talking about. So at the end of the, inter, uh, the about four days they spent in the Valley, and at the end of it, when they finally dropped me off, I was uh, doing tenant improvements on the restaurant I was getting ready to open. And they stopped me, dropped me off, and I went to them, uh, got out, and I reached, there's three of them. And I go in the passenger window, and I just said, you know, we were always, we were very concerned. There was one thing that you never asked us. Oh, yeah? What's that? You never asked us why. Oh, no, we get the camera out. We'll good. I go, no, 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 relax. It's okay. Never mind. It was so obvious to me. They never wanted to know why. They just want to know who and what and how. You know, they don't want to know why. They don't care, okay? They don't want, they, they don't want to be com, com, converted or something. Uh, I was at uh, Pork Fest. I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but a lot of, you know, well-known people that we know were in a forum. They were talking about the uh, uh, future of Bitcoin in 10 years. And uh, I was upset by two things. One, privacy has just gone down the wayside. I interviewed Jimmy Song. He's a Bitcoin developer yesterday. And uh, I encourage you to go listen to that because his number one thing was, you know, the inflationary aspects of uh, the dollar versus Bitcoin and nothing else. Privacy, this, that, yep, yep, nope, that, that's not, it's this thing. And they were latched onto it, you know, wrapped their arms around it. He, he was so unsatisfied with not being able to convince me uh, the 25th uh, round in there when the 23rd, 25th, I can't remember Donna set it up. It's going to be right after the hour that we do. I'm going to do two hours with him and he's going to try and convince me, you know? So I'm like, all right, bring it on. So that'll be interesting. Don't miss that. But uh, in that uh, forum, they were talking about the Libre and uh, Facebook's crypto and so on. And some people, you would think they'd know better and they were advocating. It's a private company. These are private guys. They could do it. It'd be great. Private companies are taking private company, private company. When they get to get up, I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? Don't sit there and tell me Facebook, YouTube, and Google. All these are private companies. And I just, I, they're mapping out our whole, I was, I was pretty disgusted. I, I, I could not believe that they were taking that tact. So if when somebody says private company, 
when they're talking about YouTube, Google, Facebook, and at all, what's your first response? What are you thinking? Well, I'd say they should go watch The Secrets of Silicon Valley yeah. and uh, find out the lie about they that. Should. But, I mean, yeah, no, it's it's obviously uh, a lie. But here's here's the, the, the worst part about that is because if you go and say, well, yeah, but these aren't private companies. They've been founded and funded and, and aided along by DARPA and InQtel and CIA and military and DOD. <laughs> uh, but then... Then that kind of brings in the idea, okay, so what we need, they're not private companies, they're, they're really government entities, so they should be regulated by the government, which is part of this false dichotomy that it's the corporations versus the government. And, they, oh, the corporation is too strong, the government has to go and restrain them, which is nonsense. It's all to know. eliminate competition, to solidify it's their exactly monopoly right. of being are, the government. This is the point of this. They are the same thing. These big corporations are the government. The government are the corporations. They're not going to regulate themselves. They, uh, and if they do, it's only to regulate out the competition so they will have right. the monopoly. That's what this is about. So really, the right way to look at this... Uh, essentially, okay, yeah, Facebook is a private corporation. They're going to launch their, their Libra currency or whatever. Fine enough, but I'm not going to have anything to do with that. I'm not going to touch it with a 10-foot pole. Mm. And as long as I don't have to touch it with a 10-foot pole, then I guess I will accept that. All argument. you have to do is connect. Remember Facebook wanted to put it all your uh, bank account. They wanted your bank account information to your bank account stuff. Well, I guarantee freaking I don't know this that because I'm that. not on there, but I'll take your No, 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 no. They wanted to link your bank account. You put in kind of, you can do and pay and whatever. And, you know, and here we go with this. So, and then of course, they're going to want you to download whatever the heck. And it's going to be an app. I totally agree. I totally agree. Yeah. I read all 14 pages of change every week. Yeah, I totally agree. And you're totally agreeing. To, yeah, because there's only one wallet for this at the moment and of course it's going to be kyc and whatever else uh, you know all the 18 million no it's going to be the best hey kkkkkkkkyc i mean it's going to be no the best take i've seen so far on libra what it is what it represents is andreas antonopoulos uh he did a episode of let's talk bitcoin where he was talking about it and i'm just watching his presentation that he gave the day i think the day of the launch or the day after the launch of the white paper and uh, incredibly well-informed, as you would expect from Andreas, and also getting to the, the real point of this, what he calls the three-body problem, because before, people were looking at it as a two-body problem. It was uh, government fiat versus, you know, private uh, decentralized crypto. But no, there's the third body now. It's the corporate fiat, whatever, the, that's going Central to bank. Some, <laughs> compete with kind of the government structure, but it's still a controlled system. And still you have the people's, the idea of a people's money being a separate other thing. No, Facebook, that's it's going to be U.S. government money. It's going to be on some basket of special drawing rights and it's going to be international and already yeah. Russia and China's going, hell yeah, exactly. no. Yeah, when you look into this, it's actually based on fiat because they have this reserve that they keep that they, they make a Libra out of. And that reserve, of course, is, as you say, it's a basket of fiat currency. Okay, now so. I got Andreas Antonopoulos. For me to watch this, what would I search? What would I go to? Uh, the presentation on YouTube is called Libra Not Libra. Libra Not Libra. Facebook's blockchain project. And uh, the episode of Let's Talk Bitcoin is number 402. The whole crypto game just changed. Let's talk Bitcoin. Yeah, I definitely want to watch that and get it up on the site for everybody else. Damn. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're, you know, uh, free. I tell you a lot of times that people, um, I, I was challenged by, um, a friend of a friend, um, this last weekend, we were having dinner up in Washington and what have you guys done? What have you accomplished? Well, you, uh, you got to just get along, go along. You always go where the people are. You got to, you know, uh, interface with and do and kind of that kind of stuff. And I'm just like, no, there's there's 0% freedom, 100% freedom. And there's like this hump in there that R's and D's are fighting over all the time. And my thing is, can we bring the hump, the general public opinion over this way? Let them fight over how free I'm going to be. I mean, I, I, you know, I so that is where we've seen progress in just public opinion. But yeah. that is heavily combated with on the street, rubber meets the road, a weak freaking control you, you heard. You know, and let's bring that back to what you were saying earlier, because you were talking about the Amash uh, Hornberger yep. potential for yep. some sort of debate in the primaries that could lead to a presidential debate stage. The point of that is, as I know you know, and as I know, and as I hope our audience knows, the point isn't that we're, we care who's going to be appointed ruler of the geographical area known as the United States of America. The point is that that is a stage where you can reach millions of people and start to influence the conversation, just like Ron Paul did. What Ron Paul did was not. Hey, happen again 
it's because his ideas change the conversation. And that's, that's what we're trying to do. They're, no, hell no. You think they're going to risk something like that again? What do you think that all this you know, deplatforming crap is about? It's yeah, 2020 exactly. election cycle and has nothing yep. to do. They, they definitely got this uh, anybody but Trump thing going on, but pff, they'd rather have Trump than, you know, somebody saying we don't need, or yeah. anyone like that. Yeah. 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 They just, you know, God. Yeah. Okay. We'll put a uh, non molester in there. Now what? No, we got another reason. <laughs> we got something else that they work on. Uh, let's see, what was the other things? Yeah, one note I made, uh, go through. I seen it somewhere as a meme or something. It really, it really disturbed me, and it was really short. And it says, "When AI becomes your boss, you become the robot." Yeah, yeah. That's scary. That's a good thought, isn't it? That, that's that's exactly what we are. They're going to be, you know, AI might as well just say, you know, it's all this you need and we got it. Some AI saying we need something. You just become yeah. their bitch. I hate <laughs> I hate to bring everything back to the Matrix trilogy, but yeah, how far back off to, was you that? Know, free choice. What is free choice in a Matrix? And uh, do the machines control us or do we control the machines? And all of these, <laughs> I mean, it was... Uh, you know, it was a stupid couple of movies. Uh, the first one was great. The second and third one were terrible movies, but they had a lot of good ideas. Yeah, no, I went, that was the only movie other than Princess Bride, Take My Nephews. Uh, that's the only movie I ever went and saw immediately again, the same day or the next day or something. I'd, I'm like, like Tweety Bird. I think I saw a putty cat. I did, I did. I go, did I see what I just think I saw? And I was like, holy crap. You know, and then everything else was compared. It was like the first time, that I saw Star Wars. I didn't hear anything about it. I was busy working, you know, in the summer between my junior, senior year, I think. And I was just working, 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 working. And they go, you got to go see it. Well, what's it like? Well, it's kind of, I don't know. I can't tell you. It's kind of a space thing. Yeah. You know, what, what the character, what's it about? You know, what's it like? I, you know, I mean, they couldn't describe it. So I went with my sister. We were out, you know, somewhere. I go, ah, let's go see that movie. We go in. I was totally blown away. There is nothing to compare that to until, you know, now you can. But back then, there was nothing. Matrix was the same thing. There was nothing to compare to that. The concepts and what was going on. So I'm, I, you know, and now we get. I imagine to, trying to walk into a theater in 1968. Hey, here's a new one from Stanley Kubrick. I wonder what this 2001 I saw 2001 like. in the it's theater bad. when I was seven, eight years old. I'm like, what the hell was that? The end with the baby that and all the LSD light crap. I'm like, yeah. what the hell? But what stuck with me was the um, the primates, you know, mm. when the, the monolith kind of sparked, you know, intelligence in them and so on. And so it's these kinds of movies. And that's a good one. That's a good point. Fortunately, I, I saw that in the theater when I was a little kid. And it was Amazing. kind of, wow, what the heck? So I've had yeah. all of these, you know, as an impact of what kind of impact it has on a culture. You know, an entire culture. Lord forbid you, you 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 translate it around the world, and I don't know what movies they were watching. Probably the same thing and dubbed and so on. But one other thing before you go, I wanted to I wanted to get a something that really disturbed me uh, is Wikipedia. Let me tell you what happened in two thousand and three, February oh three, when we first started doing the radio show. Uh, we were starting to log in, um, uh, record all of these files, and we put them up as window media files. But they were so big that we had they were just eating up drive space. And uh, at the same time as when kind of MP3 started becoming a thing. So uh, Michael Kilsky, which is a, a computer science major, you know, geek and an attorney and was state chair of the Libertarian Party for a long time and was a good friend of mine. He set up a wiki. And I don't know what's a wiki, you know, and it's kind of a way to communicate. And back in the 90s, it was this open source kind of thing. Well, I put it up there and I let the audience edit it. You know, it's kind of like let him do the comments. He edited it, added this, what they, and, you know, when Charles Goyette is producing for him, he goes, oh, man, you got to shut that down. God knows what they're going to say, you know, oh, my God. So we, you know, limited who could edit it, you know, you know, that way for him. But for me, I wanted to test it. I wanted to see what would happen. Well, later came Wikipedia. And so I understood exactly what was going on. It was encouraging people to add to the data, to the people's encyclopedia, that you would go there. Wikipedia immediately, very quickly became a very great source of information. And then after, like everything, after 2008 election cycle, you definitely saw a difference. It's curated and some can, you can't, and you're not going to tell me what you yeah, know about I Wikipedia. I have a, my own experience with that because at 2003, 2004, somewhere in there, 
right before I came to Japan, I think, um, I was working just a temp job at a publishing place where I was working on school textbooks kind of thing and editing them. And I was doing fact checking, which is just mind numbing, but you gotta, you gotta make sure you have two or three sources for each mm -hmm. little fact in the book and blah, blah, blah. You're not allowed to use and, Wikipedia. And so I was on the computer all day, you know, doing this and, and uh, a lot of it had to go to Encarta. Remember Encarta, which was, I think, the Microsoft encyclopedia? Yeah, at the time. I, I had that for my kids. It sucked ass, yep. okay? It was terrible. That it was, was terrible. the biggest bunch of bullshit because we had an old World Book Encyclopedia that if you got this many volumes and you got decades of more stuff and it stays this many volumes and it's this big, they had to take something out. And I was thinking that Encarta was not going to do that. You know, they had much yeah. more data you could have. They trimmed it more than anything. That was the biggest piece of crap. I wouldn't let my kids use it. You know what we yeah, did use? Exactly. We had every National Geographic on CD. It was a, a kit that they had of all the national, and you could search it. They had the PDF. It was word searchable, yeah. uh, National Geographic, and they used that quite a bit. Got way more out of it than Encarta. Yeah. So I'm sorry. But, Go but ahead. So my, my story is I was doing this research, and so I was trying to, you know, Encarta, I was trying to figure, get facts here and there where I could. And then I remember when it was kind of overnight, suddenly the first search result on Google for all these different things would be Wikipedia. Wikipedia. It just came out of nowhere, as far as I'm concerned. I don't know when it was launched or any of the details of that. I should look into it. But I do remember suddenly Wikipedia, number one search for everything that I was looking for. And I'm like, nah, there's got to be some connections there. You don't just become the number one search. Man, that's a whole nother James Corbett video I'm waiting on. Yeah. Wikipedia. I did do a, a Corbett Report radio broadcast on it like seven or eight years ago, but I should definitely revisit it. It's changed. It's gotten so much worse. I, yeah. I, it's, not even, it's not even worth really using anymore. It's so deceptive, you know? Yeah. I would use it to uh, only to go to the footnotes and find, oh, you know, this links to right. this article, and right. here you have an article with something. But I would never use it as primary research. It uh, was very I, – I enjoyed it. Well, as a matter of fact – it's one of the few things that I donate to, and it was years ago, long time ago, I did a $3 once a year credit card, say I did, because I used to use it a lot, and I forget about it until on the anniversary, hey, thank you for your $3 or whatever, so I'm on their list of they want to you know, keep me on something, and I'm just like, you know, I need to go just undo that and kind of, I know. Yeah. No. Yeah, I think it's time to stop that. I but I mean, hey, but then again, this is one other example of something I talked about recently, the throwing the baby out with the bathwater thing. It's tempting to say then that the idea of wiki itself, a wiki, not Wikipedia, but wiki itself mm -hmm. is therefore tainted and no, we don't no, want anything to be centralized. Awesome. I've used it on my show. No, no, no. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. The idea is good. Of course, it gets co-opted and taken over and, and steered in the wrong direction. But Because it was uh, good. <laughs> example. Uh, I know I've talked about it before. This won't help your audio listeners, but I am holding uh, Swarmwise by Rick Falkvinge, the founder of the Swedish Pirate Party, who wrote the book on how he did that by essentially that process of just let, saying, okay, I'm not going to steer this movement. I've got this idea. I'm going to put up this page and say, if you want to help, help in any way you want. It'll, you know, make your own posters, make your own whatever. And I've got some ideas how we can do this, but we're just going to, I'm not, if you want to be the director of communications, sure, whatever fine and that's how we started a movement that literally changed the conversation literally became a member of the government i mean that's it's an incredible story and an important one you know rick has been power of decentralizing i've had rick on the show so i met him a couple of times and uh no I, I no he skyped in you know to uh liberty forum that's what it was but um um he is a little bit too organized for me you know when we were doing the pirate thing you know pirateswithoutborders.com of course, uh, the reason I started that was when the Iceland parliament uh, elected 16% a pirate party one year, and the headline was, oh, they didn't do anything, they only got 16%. I'm like, what? You know? So their whole oh, thing was kind of a libertarian platform. It was definitely anti-copyright and intellectual property and more freedom on the internet and that kind of thing. But as I talked to him in his book, and I got his, yeah, I got his book right up here, and, you know, 
it was still a little too organized and structured. You know, who got access to, you know, what the data that was done from the lower part. You still had a little bit. And I'm going, okay, I understand. It was more decentralized and empowered. But the one that really I was more um, enthusiastic about, even though it was a campaign, was the Ron Paul Revolution. When that happened, there we made absolutely sure nobody was freaking in charge of nothing. That was, you do whatever the hell you want. And Ron Paul forums kind of out of Houston, you know, they had a lot to do. There was a lot, all this kind of stuff. And it was only the words that came out of Ron Paul's mouth. Even his campaign, which was a bunch of Republican guys doing whatever, trying to get me to whatever, you know. I remember the Ron Paul War Room website. Do you remember that? No. Where it was a WordPress, and it was the first time I'd ever seen this, but um, they had like a guest login. So you logged into the website and you could post whatever you wanted to post to this Ron Paul War Room site. And it got a lot of traffic. I remember I was just starting out the corporate report at that time. So I would post things that were relevant that I thought people would be interested in. There was a Daily Paul that was really popular and uh, and went into 12 too. Michael Nystrom was just abused so much, you know, during that. And um, by the campaign and stuff. And then there was the Ron Paul Forums. And that was where a lot of the active, you know, I was looking for the activism, you know, what's a project, what's a good idea that we'd help with or we'd promote or something. A lot of times I was doing more helping than I was promoting anything other than the sign making. But it was a spontaneous order. It was real definition. It was that if you watch For Liberty, how the uh, withered tree liberty was watered by the Ron Paul Revolution, something like that. It was... Um, 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 uh, is the Ron Paul revolution documentary. And it was really good at depicting the power of spontaneous order and nobody being in charge. And I'm waiting to see that resur- It'll come again. It's going, it's, it's building up, but they're doing, they, them, those who are they, the ones that won't leave me alone. They're doing everything they can to try and prevent that from happening again. Yeah. Nip it in the bud. And, and or decent- they're co-opted and use it. You yeah, know, fake grassroots, you know, astroturf. Oh, look at this new thing that's coming up with and, an app, oh, and I totally agree. Movement, honest, you know, they they will co-opt it, and then again, people will find that out, and they'll throw the baby out with the bathwater. See, decentralization is bad. Okay, I got, I got, I got to share this with you. You know, a Trump supporter guy, he's just all over it, and he says, "Ernie, oh, you guys see oh, this is the greatest thing," and what it was is uh, a an app that is for um, putting. Uh, for Trump text. Let me look at this. Okay, I'll show this to you. What it was is you join a trumpet chat, trumpet.chat. And what it does is it has for you to go and sign up for this thing. See, can you see that? Uh, let's see if it'll do it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Trump chat. And, uh, and it says what they expect there. Welcome. This is what you get. If you download this thing, One, admiration for our courageous president. Some very blatant displays of patriotism, strong belief in American exceptionalism. Okay, there's a trigger right there. So I go, then it's support of this and that and so on and, you know, and and build the wall and yada, yada, yada. And also support for Israel. Okay, so I got American exceptionalism, Israel, Trump chat. And you're all excited about it. I'm going, and I bet you totally freaking agree. The button you put, I'm like, you're killing me. You know, I, I just, ah, you know, an app that they want you to download. I don't know. <laughs> if uh, you go there, yeah, well, I get, they're going to download you into the whatever. I guarantee that. Mm. I mean, I mean, how far do I got to go research this for you, man? I mean, yeah, you know. <laughs> uh, I think that's enough for me. That's enough for All me. Right. Well, I got to get running along to my next interview. Thanks for coming on. And yeah, being a little late, that's fine. You know, I, I appreciate any time that I get for you. I just want you to know that, you know, while we're on vacation, we're keeping up on I'm showing all your stuff to everybody and why I think you're so important to this movement and just keeping this stuff up for exactly these reasons so we are not unaware. Thank you. Thank I you. I appreciate that. I appreciate everyone who's helped spread the word about the information because that's what it's about. Peace, guys.